Well, hello, neighbors. My name is Brianna Snellgrove. Welcome to the Empathy Evolution. Co-host Becca McKeithen and I will converse with alternating guests and hosts from all walks of life to discuss important topics that apply to you, a neighbor, or friend. As you tune in, we hope that you gain knowledge and a new perspective. Our mission is to be advocates of empathy through active listening with openness and understanding. And we hope you'll join us on our journey to a solution, the empathy evolution. Want to watch instead? Visit our YouTube channel to see all the banter in color. You've taken the first step. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the Empathy Evolution. Today, we have an awesome guest. Her name is Katie Hicks. She is a very old friend of mine, and she is a straight-up socialist. <laughs> she uh, is a therapist working with uh, the Juvenile Justice Department through um, an organization that provides services to the youth there. She is a volunteer at Open Books, which is um, focused on prison reform and a volunteer at Food Raising Friends. We're so excited to have Katie we have no idea where this conversation is going to take us today because she is so passionate about so many topics, and we are just thrilled to get this conversation started. Woo! Welcome. Let's go. Let's go. I'm nervous. No, don't be nervous. <laughs> I know. She walked in today, and she said she was nervous. I was like, we talk all the time. So she, when we volunteer together, um, we normally we're together for many hours. Yeah. Like It's not like a short-term thing. We're normally together four or five hours at a time. And her and I tend to kind of be together, working closely. Um, she's even been to my house. Oh, that was fun. And uh, her and my daughter uh, actually share a lot of the same interests. They're both really creative uh, artists. A lot of anxiety. Yeah, they both. Um, have, yeah, they both have. I mean, you both have like a mental health diagnosis yeah, yeah. In, in regards to anxiety. And um, and so you've been a huge support to her and to me as, you know, my daughter is nine. So we're raising her and you've kind of been through and felt some of the things she's felt. So I know yeah. she adores you. I do too. And uh, Katie's art is hanging on my wall in my house. Oh. And she actually posts pictures all the time on social media. So, you know, if you have a chance to check out her social media, she posts her artwork a lot. I do. And you have opportunities to buy it. And I'm always Ooh, like, oh, I want this. Oh, I want this. No, I want this. Well, no, because she's super talented. And I think that a big part of this is like local love. Like you're involved in a lot of local nonprofits. You know, and we, uh, I mean, we want to support you as well. And I think uh, creativity, especially with this whole movement in schools mm-hmm. that often is focusing mm-hmm. more on academics and we're losing some of these creative side things. Mm-hmm. It's important to uh, support, you yeah, know, support it's, that. It's really unfortunate to see like art programs get cut and yeah. underfunded. But yeah, I mean, and, and, and I don't know Katie very well, so I'm excited to, to talk to, you know, talk to you and for listeners that don't know you, I think that there's a lot of value that you're going to bring to this particular session. So, you know, I, as just from me doing my basic research, you know, you're, you're really passionate about a lot of things. Like I think the last post that you had was about the Israeli Palestine conflict that's yes. going on. There's, you know, you have a lot of things that you can educate people on that, but I think the most Im, impactful thing for me is that you, you said a very old friend, but you're not very old. You're 29 yeah. and that you, oh, yeah. you're so active in helping causes that people like, even like myself, I'm ignorant to only not because I want to be ignorant to it. It's only because, you know, I have two kids, you know, they're six and under and, you know, I have a business I run. So I, I'm interested to know if this platform is something that, that you have the ability to, to talk anything about. So, you know, what's, what, why are you so passionate about causes um, that you feel should be important? 
Um, well, I think if you start at what what this podcast is about is empathy. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize like empathy is not unique. First of all, the lack of empathy is unique, and it's a personality disorder usually. Like, <laughs> like you, you or, every, everyone has when empathy. you're unwilling, or to, yeah, but like, to, to so you empathy, have that. You already have to recognize like you do have that within you to start change. Like, and it does like macro global change starts at such a micro level that even though you don't see that change instantaneous like in the community necessarily or like on a global level like think of like trickle down but like it trickles up like it goes up so it's it's it really is almost like planting a seed at the micro level and it grows um it's a lot of seed planting yeah and conversations compassion like connecting Mm -hmm. when you're with organizations and you're I'm in the middle of a Dream Defenders campaign school right now and um, to be inducted and be a member of Dream Defenders by August. And so in campaign school, we're talking about right now, just like canvassing and deep canvassing and just getting out in the community and knocking on doors, which can be dangerous for some people in some parts of town. But like, you know, Dream Defenders is a Black-led abolitionist organization. So we're in Black neighborhoods trying to get um, encourage black people to vote and educate them and just trying to make a connection. But you don't like start out with like, here's all this legislation and you need to sign this. You're like, right. Hey, what's up? Like, can I talk to you? You're just like, you can't make a connection without compassion. Right. Uh, which yeah. is, I think something that Ella Baker, who was a snake founder that she kind of ran her, um, organizing platform on was like, you have to, you have to reach out to people on their level. Like that's just such a social worker thing, which is what I do is like meet people where they're at. Um, and I think I think what's really interesting and fascinating to me is that, you know, we were kind of talking about this earlier, is that there's such a generational pass down of information or misinformation, mm-hmm. as we were mentioning. And it's it's dangerous to, uh, to yeah, do that, yeah. you know, because of all the misinformation that exists in the world um, and some of its purposefully misinformation, mm-hmm. which is to me the worst danger of all. And so I think um, what is interesting for me is that a lot of from just from the very few conversations we've had, I feel like a lot of your passion about that becomes, um, it comes from a place where there was misinformation that you were given or experienced yeah. that really makes you seek the truth. Do you feel like that's true? Uh, yeah. I mean, there were definitely times in my life where I didn't have the same beliefs as I do now. Um, and not even necessarily the same beliefs, but um, <laughs> like, um the same values, I guess, or the same moral compass even. And I've gone on to do things that I was raised not to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I'm in recovery. So like I got into drugs and I got into being dope houses and places that like I would have not thought I was ever going to be in childhood. But the compassion when you're on that side of things, when you're queer or you're a drug user or you even believe in a different political platform or any, uh, you belong to any oppressed group um, when you're on the other side of that and you're receiving the oppression, um, whatever that may be, whether it's sexism or racism, it kind of changes your view on the systems that you once held in place. Cause I'm like, okay, I feel like things that I was raised to believe even, I don't know if this is dicey to say, even like pledge of allegiance, like having kids stand, like if you looked at a photo, if you looked at a video of communist China, like everyone in this area, like communist China, and they're all pledging allegiance to a flag. What is different from that than the indoctrination of patriotism in America? It's the same thing. It's just your side of the coin. So it looks differently. So I lived in my bubble and on my side of the coin for a really long time. 
until I like crawled around the coin and on top of the coin. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many little rivets on this coin. There's <laughs> so much more than what I grew up to be. And I didn't grow up like, you know, without or sad or, you know, all sorts of things. But I knew there was, I knew there was a struggle somewhere. And if I had the means to be involved in it, then I had an obligation and a due diligence to be involved. So. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's really, um, you know, and I think because there's so many people that don't force the opportunity or don't seek the opportunity mm-hmm. to check out the other sides of mm-hmm. the coin, they are comfortable with living in that bubble. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we were talking about how like sometimes there's almost a whole movement of people against a yes. social justice movement because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, well, you know, like you're sticking your nose in places that you shouldn't. Absolutely. I think that whenever you were saying something about um, the oppressed party or the, um, but I almost think about it as like opposition. Mm-hmm. There's always opposition to the opposition mm-hmm. and opposition can be, I'm not saying it's always good. Um, I think there are moments that we have to be really reflective. Are we being prideful? Are mm-hmm. we opposing something just for the sake of mm-hmm. being like a devil's advocate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's bad either because it, it causes us to think critically. Yeah. Right. However, in general, opposition is normally spurred from some type of change that actually needs to happen for the betterment of a community or society. Yes. And and I'm one of those that very much believes one voice can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm like you, you know, the seed planting, you know, seed planting is a one person job, but, but growing a whole garden mm-hmm. can be a multiple, you know, person job when I think about growth. And um, having known you since you were a kid, I mean, I think I probably mm-hmm. met you when you were around nine, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit older, yeah. maybe a preteen. Um, and knowing your family, you know, you talk about your journey and and how you've changed. And it's like this. You haven't, I think you've acknowledged, I haven't 100% made perfect decisions in my life. Mm-mm. However, I can't go back and change any of those. But it absolutely changed my perspective mm-hmm. and how I plan to move forward mm-hmm. with my life. Because of the experiences I had. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when I when I interact with you, I'm always like, Katie is extremely passionate. She's extremely authentic. She has nothing to hide. And, I mean, I'm just so, first of all, I'm super proud of your recovery. I think if anybody is watching this and they are in a circumstance where they need to go into recovery, I think you and I are huge advocates mm-hmm. for that. Um, I think there's a lot of freedom in, in that. And not mm-hmm. like I, me and you discussed before this. Not just freedom from drugs and alcohol or from substance abuse or any sort of mm-hmm. addiction that you're struggling with, but the freedom of completely being able to embrace wholly who you are. Yeah, and just freedom from that whole lifestyle, which robs you of any any chance to be who you are. Like, yeah. I was just so sad. Like, I just, I, and I have had moments in recovery where I've been sad. Yeah. And recovery absolutely. doesn't. Is it perfect? It, it is not at all. <laughs> slip up I've slipped up um it's up and down and for some people uh, recovery isn't total abstinence it's more of a harm reduction approach maybe they're mm-hmm. trying to cut down on how much they use or they're only using you know medical marijuana which is kind of looked down upon in a lot of um 12-step groups which is why it's really hard especially in this area to find a recovery group that um I feel like is authentic um even not, and, and not completely white centered because I just refuse to kind of be in spaces that are just like not let go and let God that he can't do any and everything, but just like, you can't let go and let God out of poverty and racism. Like it, like it does using drugs make all of those things a lot more difficult to deal with and face. Absolutely. But like, they're not just going to go away with prayer. Like the, the stress may be alleviated. The, and I, and I think there, it's, it's just so much more than that. 
that everybody's path is 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 different. Your, yeah, your road to why you're using is different, and your road to recovery is going to be completely Absolutely. different. But I think that hopefully the end result, is, no matter what, yeah. results in a freedom for yourself. And it's, so yeah, that's so my experience. But also, I think in approaching your social work and the way mm-hmm. I approach um, what I would consider the people we serve through food raising friends mm-hmm. is my own story and my own. Um, shortfalls that I've both overcome, but that I still know I will face as I Uh go on, like accepting I'm not perfect now, nor shall I ever be. I think even on my Facebook, one of my things is not perfect. Like (laughs) don't cut, this isn't the perfection page because I'm a perfectionist by nature. Mm -hmm. And so it's fighting that I am not perfect. I'm not going to interact with everyone perfectly. I'm not going to do everything perfectly. I'm not going to live perfectly. I'm not going to be able to hundred percent do right by anyone but, but I've gained empathy and compassion for mm-hmm. the people I serve. So instead of judging them for ending up in the circumstances they're in where they need my help, instead of judging the students that you serve mm-hmm. through the juvenile justice system and looking at them and going, you're such a screw up. You're a bad kid. Exactly. Like, you're saying everybody's made to mistakes. To and yeah. so it's more about how are we moving forward? I understand you were put in circumstances that, that caused or that um, incited you'd have to live a certain way and do certain things which is absolutely a lot of people do and And people want to say no no instead of looking at them that's that's why that happens like well and and it's cool and fun it's an adrenaline rush and all that stuff but like people don't naturally like want to sell dope and do all that stuff for the rest of their life like people don't want to live that way and so you're giving them compassion and empathy and then instead of them looking at you as oh you're so perfect you can say and i've made mistakes too and here i am today and so I'm offering you the hope that you don't have to continue in this yeah. pattern of behavior. You don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's a freedom too. And I think too, like when we're talking about empathy as a whole, you know, when you're talking about how kids get to this place or how someone gets to a place where they're they're finding other things to make them feel good about themselves, yes. whether yes. it's drugs. And, and I think that something that is a misconception is that trauma comes in all shapes and sizes, Uh, right? And so a lot of things come from trauma, social justice, drug addiction, you know, like they're in positive, negative forms on the other side, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of that comes from a negative or powerful experience that they had and what may be trauma to to you Mm -hmm, or I, maybe something different for someone else. So I remember even after, um, you know, like I had this whole PTSD moment where um, after Hurricane Ivan, which was a, Mm -hmm. a hurricane that came to the panhandle, we lost everything. I didn't realize until years down the road that that was really a trauma where I like I had memory pieces of my memory that mm-hmm. I didn't remember that portion of my life. And that's that spurs a lot of anxiety, um, which led me to become someone who has a medical marijuana license. OK, yeah. so I think and I think that, you know, we were talking earlier, you said something about, um, you know, some trauma that you'd experienced. And you felt like it wasn't something that was enough to to share with someone and in, in, mm-hmm. in find help for. And so you internalize that, oh, yeah. which led to some of those things. And I think that, you know, when we're talking about empathy. There has to be more people who explain to friends, family, children, you know, uh, even other adults. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if you ever have something that's like eating you from the inside like sure don't yeah like, get it don't. out say it out loud Kanye has this lyric in one of his <laughs> songs he's like say well it's like today I thought about killing you premeditated murder it's a really good song though, I promise yeah <laughs> um I promise sounds but, like it but he says he, he always he says um just say it out loud see how it feels yeah say it out loud. I'm like I always tell my kids that at work and 
like just say it aloud. Just say I'm, it aloud and see how it feels. So, like you know, maybe you don't you don't say it again. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to think it. Just yep. get it out of your brain. Just, mm-hmm. just but, say it. But them having a safe place to say it because yes. when you're offering them the opportunity. So if they empathy is understanding versus judgment. So if they say it, the reason they would hesitate is because they're going to feel judged uh-huh. on the output. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying say it, and I'm not judging you. In fact, we're going to figure out why you feel yeah. the way that you do that would that would cause you mm-hmm. to want to say that. And um, I think, uh, you know, we've been talking so much about empathy. And, you know, we're, I mean, that's kind of the whole premise of this. And when she and I sat down, she goes, what do you want people to walk away with? And I said, I really want people to walk away with the skill of empathy. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just thinking and giving understanding, but it's work. Yeah, it's and a verb. It's like love. Like, absolutely. you don't just like, oh, I love you. Like, I have empathy for you. Like, okay, we have to do something about it. If you're empathetic without inaction, you're just an observer. Right? Absolutely. Like, so you could be really an observer a, of empathy or you could be a practitioner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to be careful with empathy, too, because you can empathy can be used to manipulate people. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's how Emmett Till is dead. You know, a white woman's tears. People empathized with that. And now he is dead. And she has now since... She's still alive, I'm pretty sure, has said, like, that actually never happened. Wow. Um, and nothing's being done. But that was empathy that was used to manipulate. You said something earlier. Misinformation is uh, the purposeful misinformation. Like, purposeful misinformation is just a just another way to manipulate. Yeah. Um, but then even when someone's manipulating you, see, the part of me that practices it, says, <laughs> why are I, I want to understand so why you feel the need to, to manipulate, manipulate me. Exactly. Exactly. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There, oh, yeah. There's a very close person in my life, and I felt continually, actually, I would say to this day, feel continually manipulated by them. But when I was younger, I didn't know um, how to create a safe boundary mm-hmm. for feeling that manipulation. Boundaries. And um, a few years ago, I said to this person, I said, I said, you know, at this point, um, I can't trust you. I said, because people get tired of feeling like someone is always trying to pull the wool over their eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at this person with empathy, I think a lot has happened to you. You have a lot of trauma. You, uh, Your parents have tra- caused a lot of trauma. You've made choices that in turn caused, I mean, some trauma is put on us. Some of it uh-huh. we've put ourselves in. And it, But trauma is no less important or should not be uh I, I think I talked in another episode about ranking things. Yeah, like if I'm drowning needs. in five feet or where you're drowning in seven, we're yeah, both drowning. Yeah, yeah. Trauma yeah. is trauma. And and we can't say, well, if it if you did it to yourself yeah. or you put yourself in a situation that that your trauma is less worthy than someone that's trauma happened to them. No, both need yeah. work and both need um understanding and both need someone to look at me and say, I see the best in you even when you're yeah. not being your best. And so that um, I see the best in you, even when you're not being your best, is how I see this person. Okay. I, like I can that. look at you and say, I can see all the wonderful qualities about mm-hmm. you, but I know where you're not being your best. And that's where my boundaries come in. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm, I know when you're trying to pull mm-hmm. the wool over my eyes, I'm not comfortable with that anymore. And so I can still show you empathy without having mm-hmm. to feel manipulated. Yes, and so I like that a lot. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's when you're talking about, you know, the manipulation is like, even in that, how do we work out empathy? And I think that's where the action mm-hmm. of it comes in. It's not just like simply offering her empathy. It's really me taking the time to work on myself mm-hmm. and say, how can I still show her empathy, even when I feel she's undeserving mm-hmm. of it? Right. Um, and, and, you know, <sighs> which you know, I think, that I think about that way too much. <laughs> that plays into the prison system a lot, too, because 
Um, in the beginning of Our Prisons Obsolete by Angela Davis, she talks about um, most people have never been in a jail or prison. Yeah. If you've yeah. never been arrested or been in prison, you've never been in one or if you've never worked in one. So you actually have no idea what it's like in there. Right. No idea. But because we have Hollywood, because we have media, because we have movies, we have TV shows, people think they have an idea of what it's like, which even the portrayal You're in Hollywood me media isn't actually yeah, real it's life. It's not real life. Whoa. Um, Whoa. I mean, if prison was as well run and <laughs> compassionate as Hollywood's portrayal of it, which it's really not even that good <laughs> looking on TV. Yeah. Um, it's still nowhere near what the actual conditions are, but people like completely lose empathy for people who are incarcerated. And it's really mind blowing, especially when you've, worked in incarceration and I've worked in the psych ward at a prison and dealt with some of the absolute most bonkers stuff yeah. people ever you can curse yeah. on this shit okay the most absolute bonkers shit I've ever witnessed in my life but there's also practices that are happening within the prison that are completely illegal and that are completely overlooked and no one gives a shit there's no empathy it's like once you've done something wrong and you're locked away like an animal First of all, if you cage an animal, do you not expect it to act like an animal when it comes out? The criminal the worst animal. Worse. Criminal thinking skills are so sharpened in prison. And it's such a cycle that, like, oh I have God. a friend who's supposed to be released from federal prison soon. And he's going to be on probation for five years afterwards. And I'm just like, I hope this works out. But I know the system is designed for you to slip up and there be no grievance or leniency or, like, nothing for you and then you're just gonna go back to prison obviously i hope that's not what happens and right. if it's anything that i have any influence over there will be no slip-ups or anything yes, but, but you can't change but i can't change himself and i can't change the whole entire system help. for him well, as much you, as i would love to and i i think that's interesting that you bring that up because and and i think there's so many sides there aren't enough resources because mm-hmm. there are some right there are some, yeah, there's for people, some. but there's not enough and i yeah, think no. and and what's what's crazy from my perspective is that my husband is working law enforcement for 10 years mm-hmm. and so there are little changes that can be made but even so they have to be intentionally done and so yeah even with he was able my husband um trent was able to implement video visitation which oh, the, for yeah. them they thought was expensive but really what sold it was that it's a money-making machine. However, it is two sides, yeah, absolutely a money-making two sides machine. of the coin is that a family, I mean, his his vision on it was that a family at Christmas doesn't have to take their young child to a jail to, to visit with their family. To bring member. their kid into they can a prison. Call on phone, yeah. And that socially and mentally is a better situation for a family. And so there's there's some of these like little systematic things mm-hmm. that are need change too. And so I think there's some really interesting um, it's there, there's really inf- interesting information on like, uh, you know, prison reform, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and I, and I think that's stuff that needs to be talked about on both sides. I mean, and we live in such a we like G group, like they make so much money for the state of Florida, mm-hmm. like, or GEO, I'm sorry. Um, they make an incredible amount of money doing privatized prison work. Um, like one of Florida's biggest money makers is privatized prisons. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to find legislation. You're not going to find leaders and who have powers to change legislation or influence legislation um, back any kind of uh, reform on prison, prisons or policing. I mean, uh, most of the bills, like the George Floyd Act bill, whatever, it did. It, it gave more money to police officers. Well, and I think for training and stuff. Right. But it's like that was the opposite of what 
that kind of was fronted to be. So everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, this was like, that's like the opposite of what people asked for. Like, you continued and the I, funding. And it's probably a challenge because I, there's probably still a, a lack of willingness. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I was even thinking when you were talking is it isn't just about the program. It's about the buy-in from both the uh-huh. people who have to practice it mm-hmm. and the public. And um, without buy-in, you know, I say buy-in. I mean, it's not like people paying in, but that no. buy-in that says, I'm willing to do it a different way. I'm mm-hmm. willing yeah, to yeah, try yeah. this. I'm willing and I'm open to this. Mm-hmm. But instead, we want to make everything that we're trying to change still fit in these boxes that really are t- what we're really experiencing is that they don't work. Yeah, but they then we want to but then we want to create policy and who procedure are, right. that somehow still fit in the box yeah. instead yeah. of making a new a, a new way over here. Yeah. Well, and the and the funding has to be like when you're when you're talking about like as far as a whole for any system, right? Yeah. Like there's there's not enough um, you know, uh, there's not enough people in place to say what happens with this funding, right? Like it should be a collective, oh, yeah. educated, intelligent, Absolutely. Um, diverse yeah. group of people mm-hmm. to give feedback on where things need mm-hmm. to go. Because I think that the funding is necessary for education, mm-hmm. but what kind of education are but we yeah, providing? But yeah, what does that look like? What is the right. tr- what is and that so, training looking like? Like, is it inclusive? Does it include mm-hmm. how to handle a mental health situation appropriately with like maybe no weapons or Mm -hmm. what have you. And I understand this, the situations are obviously like in the moment and high stress. I can't imagine being a police officer in those moments, but I do think that there still needs to be a collective effort to, well, there should be empathy for police officers. They have the highest rate of suicide of any profession. Yeah, no, like that's the thing. Um, At the end of the day, it may not be, not well, which I've, I've professional. Um, you can't treat, you can't help people when you're not well, well like hurt you, people, hurt people. Hurt, yeah. And hurt people, yes, hurt people. Yes. So, Hey, it's Brie here. Thanks for listening to empathy evolution. We'll get right back to the show, but I want to take a couple of minutes to give a shout out to some incredible friends and sponsors. First up is empathic practice. When I talked with owner Felipe Munoz, he was so excited to support our mission at empathy evolution. If you haven't heard of them, Uh, I'll tell you that they've quite literally changed my life. They're a holistic wellness clinic that's in Pensacola, Florida, and they provide services like massage therapy, mindfulness and meditation coaching, and they have a physician named Dr. Haas who can determine if you qualify for a medical marijuana card. I'm a huge supporter of Felipe and his business, and I'm grateful that he is a sponsor for our show. Check him out by visiting their beautiful website full of resources at empathicpractice.us. Up next is Scarlet Magazine. This is the publication you guys have been waiting for, the latest in women's fashion, beauty, home decor, lifestyle, and health. They say we at Scarlet aren't afraid of something new. We aren't afraid to be different, and we don't care who you are, who you love, or what you look like. We want to empower women of all shapes and sizes and walks of life. (laughs) And if that doesn't describe Becca and I in a nutshell, I don't know it does. So check out the latest issue of Scarlet Magazine in the Pensacola-Destin area, or you can view the digital subscription at issue.com. You can also visit their website at scarletmag.com or visit their Facebook page to see what they're up to. Because frankly, we know you give a damn. Becca and I want to thank you for listening and remind you that we put our blood, sweat, and tears into this production. My team at Social Icon does all the producing and promotion and Becca's nonprofit, Food Raising Friends, does all the giving and we, we continue to support her in doing that. 
We appreciate all who listen and hope you'll show us some love by leaving a review, sharing, or sending us a note of what you liked best about the conversation. Now back to the show. And police officers, to me, they still lay their lives on the line. I guess when you speak of the George Floyd thing, the thing I go is that at some point in the progressing minutes, when it wasn't so um, immediate, that different actions could have been taken. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And so there's where procedural things come in. And sometimes I think we're just asking the wrong people to reassess how we do things. I think um, education is another great example of this. Most of the people making decisions for police officers, for school districts, for, uh, you know, a lot of federal Mm -hmm. policies, they're not asking people in Milton, Florida what to do. They're not asking people in their local schools. They're asking people within, still within their own They're asking people who donate to their campaigns and who show up to their fundraisers. Like, those are people. And they're still relying on the people in their circle or people within their friend circles. So maybe we're going one more level deep, Mm -hmm. but... It's not that true. So we were talking about, you said, you know, the trickle up thing. It's mm-hmm. the trickle down thing. Oh, yeah. By the time it trickles down to Milton, Florida, is it really effective yeah. in Milton, Florida? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's education, whether it's police procedure, whether it's some sort of federal policy. Mm-hmm. We are not a one size fits all country by any stretch. And mm-hmm. I think we need to stop seeing ourselves that mm-hmm. way and being willing to have conversations locally. People right. Locally, that's the thing. Yeah, people, having better conversations at the local yeah. level. People want to be and making, like... And, and letting it extend this from there. This, like, global, like, game-changing superstar, whatever. And it's like, that's... If you're if you're in activism or organizing for clout, you're, you're probably, like, more of, like, a Sean King kind of person. And you're probably shady. <laughs> and there's just no there's just no room for that. Like, it's not about you getting your name recognized. I'm just learning about Ella Baker in the past few weeks. I'm like, I cannot believe that I didn't know about her. I mean, I've heard her name in the past and as it relates to SNCC, but I had no clue. I just had no clue. And I've just been mind blown everything I've learned about her and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and one, just how people organized and got the word out without the freaking internet. Yeah, Which, I mean, like... Something I admire about you, though, is the reason that you're just now hearing about it is because you're constantly willing to learn. And I like I, to learn. Learning's the best. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, literally anything. Like, just, I just want to learn. Whether it's, like, local news that takes me down some rabbit hole somewhere else mm-hmm. or, like, things that not that local news doesn't matter, but, like, bigger things. Yeah. Or just, like, random facts about animals. You know, just, like, literally anything. <laughs> she doesn't look at dog pictures. She reads articles know. about dogs. Right. Just <laughs> so important with, with the show in general is, like, the empathy evolution. I think the one mm-hmm. thing that I've kind of gained from this is that, you know, there's both sides of the coin or there's mm-hmm. several facets of the coin. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about a lot of different things, but the core of it is that we're going to have a respectful conversation mm-hmm. about your vo- viewpoint, my viewpoint, Absolutely. Becca's viewpoint. And I think that if, if anyone could gain anything from this episode, it's that you don't put people in a box of, of what their situation is. Mm-hmm. Don't, pretend that you know or not pretend but don't assume that you know Mm -hmm. all the facts of of something just because of your own experience right and so we encourage people that that listen to empathy evolution that if if you feel that there's someone in your life you know challenge them i I mean even like a call in versus call out i was reading about that recently yeah that's a great analogy like calling out you know get on the internet like yeah which i mean i've done before maybe to complete strangers and i've maybe been on a facebook ban a time or two but like (laughs) Sometimes things happen. Um, and you get banned from Facebook. My next ban's a 30-day ban, so we'll see. Hopefully I've been I've been laying low on the internet, so I haven't uh but I it's like it's like it's usually for like violent threats, but it's usually like a dude who won't leave me alone. I'm like, please pull up on me like this in person. 
<laughs> I'm not a keyboard warrior. I'll take a knife out and I will, and then I'll mace you. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> but, but you know, but you feel that way too, based on what I know is some of your experiences. And so yes. for me, when we're having this conversation, so interesting of Ray saying these three different perspectives, and I go, um, to me, this whole conversation is all about perspective. Yes, you know. Katie, we're not as passionate about many of the things that you, I mean, you know what I'm passionate yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. And I kind of stay in my wheelhouse with my passion because I put my entire energy and life into serving children but who, you're, are, are, you're who are marginalized. Your passion is so intersectional. Like, there's it does. So much, there's like, so much in when it. When you posted on Coming Out Day about, like, you know, we feed queer kids and kids end up um, houseless. Yeah, because they come out and they're gay or they're trans or gender nonconforming or whatever. And their parents are like, no, you're not. Get out of my house, which is mind blowing. Some people cannot wrap their head around that truth. Like, yeah, not kids are only like, like, yes, kids get abused and they die from being gay. Like they are bullied. They kill themselves. Their parents abuse them and sometimes ends in death. But some kids are kicked out and they just continue to live day to day being neglected by their family um, because of their sexuality or their gender. So when I, uh, when I, I, I was, um, yes, I was um, in front of, I was at a stoplight and I was on my phone on Facebook. I will admit it. Um, but I remember where I was. I was at the stoplight in front of Hammersmith yeah. uh, when I was reading that post and I literally cried. Yeah. Because it's, it's super that's important. like a, and it's crazy because it's a bold statement to make in this small conservative town. Like, yeah. hey, we will feed you if you are gay. I will feed you. I will no feed you what. if you're gay. And people were probably like, that Becca McKeithen. She's just. <laughs> She's just over there feeding She's it. very progressive. She's very progressive. <laughs> she heard liberal politics in her food pantry. And I'm like, <laughs> but you know, um, you know, so you, like I was saying, you know, we're not necessarily going to identify with every single thing you're passionate about. And even if we disagree, I still respect what you do because you enter it with the willingness to give empathy to me when I don't understand and to also uh, give others empathy when when maybe they're not uh, you know aligning mm-hmm. their vision with your. That's what I've been Because you're willing to learn, and you also give others the opportunity to learn too, which I think yeah. is super important. I think that um, the show, uh, what is he called? What are we calling him over there? Like a Travis? It's been giving us the the numbers. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we're getting <laughs> close. We're getting. We're like, supposed to be ending. <laughs> cut. Yeah, no, I think we've been so cut I, about four times. As, as we go through. <laughs> You know, like the end of the show here with Katie, I think if there's anything that you can give, you know, give advice to someone about practicing empathy or to really see from a different perspective, is there anything you want to leave with listeners? Yes. Um, Do not think because you do not know something that you do not have a place in the struggle because education is a part of the struggle. Mm -hmm. Learning and growing is a part of the struggle. And as you learn and grow, you will find your place. Um, there is something for everyone to do in the struggle. Like I pro- every, everyone, even the people who aren't, who are, I'm actually an introverted person. Like talking to people randomly on the street is, it's a lot for me. So I'm like, I have a lot that I have to learn and overcome and work on. Um, but ignorance is really no longer an excuse because you have the internet, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so and opportunities. And like you this. have all, and you, there's yeah. just so much opportunities. Um, so stop wasting time and get out there and pull the pull the f up for your people. Pull the pull up for people who aren't your people. Yeah, Ooh, that's like good. pull you pull up for everyone who needs help and who's vulnerable. Um, because they they need they you need allyship. Like you do need it. Yeah. Um, it's important. Donate to local charities. 
follow them on Facebook, like involve them in your algorithm. Like I know that sounds crazy, but like star them, like their stuff. So you see the things that are going on in the community. Strive Pensacola is the socialist trans initiative in um, Pensacola. They do so much for the queer community, trans uh, people specifically. They um, help with hormone replacement therapy. They help with housing, uh, groceries, built like literally any and everything um, for a population that is completely vulnerable, especially in this Very area. Very marginalized, yeah. Very marginalized. Um, so there, there's just so much local stuff that you can get involved yeah. in. Um, so just pull up, pull yeah. up, and don't waste any more time. Thank you. You so heard much. it here, folks. You pull up, pull the f up, and. <laughs> Uh, If we could say anything, don't forget that the solution is the empathy evolution. We'll see you next time.